The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmayne and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. The topic is, is it time for laissez-faire leadership? And we have Sam Sudhakar, who is the Chief Information Officer and Vice President for Information Technology Services, California State University in San Bernardino. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good morning, Sanjay. I'm, I'm doing well. All right, great, you? great to, oh, very good. Thank you so much. Lovely morning in Chicago. I'm enjoying it. So we also have Susan Fowler, uh, who's the author for Why Motivating People Doesn't Work and What Does. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hello, Sancho. Very well. Thank you. Great, great to have you as well. And and the topic that we wanted to touch today is, uh, is based on the fact, the kind of nonstop business and technology disruptions we are seeing. Leaders at the top were traditionally invited and got that responsibility because they knew what they were trying to do. And now, frankly, they don't because there's something so new, so so unprecedented what they are dealing with. So should they still try to execute uh, the, the, the business or the way they carry out their leadership in, in the standard way where it was top down or should they actually yield control? and allow a free hand to the people they lead and actually become their followers. Let go of the control. Let them navigate the haze that we are seeing. So that's what we wanted to uh, explore, discuss, and see what challenges would we face if we allowed that style. So as the first question, uh, Susan, my uh, you know, approach to life has been where we have the answers to the questions whenever. Then we are seen as leaders when we don't, then we are, um, we are not seen in the same light. But then that's the case with typical leader today where they don't have answers and they're looking for outside resources uh, or, or someplace else, but they don't have that answer. So can they still maintain or can is it justified to wear a leadership hat on that department? Well, yes, I think it is um, because I think that even though you may not understand um, what disruption means to the moment, or I think one of the things I hear a lot when I especially work with high tech firms is how leaders may not have the specific skills necessary to manage or lead other people who have very um, 
you know, a, a certain type of expertise. But the thing is, you can't abdicate responsibility as a leader. And I, I think that the top-down leadership style, if you will, has never worked effectively the way we've defined it, but neither do I think laissez-faire leadership is the way to go. So I think that um, there's some new science around motivation. There's uh, been so much wonderful research on effective leadership, and I think we have a pretty good handle on some of the behaviors that leaders need to be using, um, even in times of disruption. So I guess I want to put a little... um, you know, I hope it's not a wedge in what we're talking about today, but um, I think we need to define our terms. And so I'd love to know what maybe you or Sam uh, think laissez-faire leadership really is um, because I, I don't see an, I, I feel like that's a dangerous route to go because we don't think that leaders have answers that they should be hands-off. So um, we will have to actually check what uh, the rest of the world thinks, but uh, on, on a regular, if you were to really look up laissez-faire, they say that if leaders allow, it's all, let's compare this to parenting, for example. Okay. If I were to always go and show direction to my children, that means I am trying to literally pave the road for those children versus allowing uh, for these children to develop themselves so that they can tackle or they can walk or tread any path that comes their way. So given the uncertainty we have, I don't want to each time make a decision for my children. I would rather have them make their own mistakes. And given where I'm not the most qualified to be able to make that decision because I've never seen this before. Decisions are essentially us applying certain um, original experiences or data points to to make a call on which direction we would go. But if it is totally new, frankly, I'm as good as my child. Well, let's so, let's, let's, let's use that as an example, um, Sanjay. Let's say that uh, you don't know how to do calculus or math. So you're not the one teaching your child calculus or math. You trust teachers to teach your child. But you don't abdicate responsibility for your child learning math or applying themselves and their effort towards math. So uh, for me, a laissez-faire manager is, and, and the way it's, it's actually defined by the people who came up with the term um, back in 1945, by the way, it's uh, Bradford and Lippitt who came up with the concept of laissez-faire. And for them, a laissez-faire um, uh, manager was someone who really just allowed what you're saying, just allow people to do what they're going to do. But there's still a role for leaders, and I think that that's what we need to be defining today is what is that role? If you don't know math or calculus or you don't know what disruption means to your team, what is your role as a leader? But I don't think it's hands-off. I don't think it's like let people go and just make their own decisions. So, Sam, what do you think? I mean, we, 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 we could be butting heads all uh, the, throughout the show on, on the definition, <laughs> and which is a good thing, right? It's a good debate here. Sam, what has been your perspective on the style of leadership, especially in these, these unpredictable times? Um, and, and I would like to uh, make sure that, uh, Sam, you are back. I know that you had to hang up and coming back. Um, I'm back. So, all right, good. So, so I'm assuming you know what we are talking about here. You heard Susan 
talk about laissez-faire leadership of, uh, being a thing of the past. What's your thought? Absolutely. I agree with Susan. Uh, it is a thing of the past. I've always believed that leader, effective leadership necessitates followership. Good leaders need to be good followers, especially in this day and age where the leadership agenda not only involves the vision of the leader, it also involves external pressures that are coming from federal, state, and local agencies to get certain things done and be accountable, especially you know, um, in a state university system such as us, we have accountability measures that, uh, that we need to fulfill. So all these are new areas that, that, are, uh, that are new to even the leaders, even seasoned leaders. So that being said, we need our teams to rally around these initiatives and help the institution fulfill not only the vision of the institution, but also the accountability measures put on us by different external agencies. So leaders need to be more, more uh, learning coaches where they lead their team through these new times and help them navigate through these situations and help us accomplish the mission of the institution. So um, reactionary or laissez-faire leadership is not an option. Uh, we have to be routinely proactive and innovative. In fact, we need to look at what is coming next. We are going into uncharted territories in, in all the areas of our leadership. So we have to be proactive. We have to be innovative in thinking about what's coming next and how do we motivate our teams to follow, to effectively follow. And uh, as leaders, we need to follow not only the leaders we report to, but also uh, follow the, our team members who have ideas and who have skills to help us accomplish the mission of the institution. So, go ahead, Susan. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, just to build on something that Sam just said, is that we have um, always depended on leaders to, quote, unquote, motivate people. Uh, and so let's just say that, um, you know, in a laissez-faire approach, what you would say is, you know, I'm going to let people kind of go their direction. Um, and, and if they're motivated to go in a particular direction, they will. And if they are not motivated, they won't. And I'd love to today to... Um, to ask people to think about a different approach to that, and, and, and that is that you can't motivate people, but what the leader's role is is to create this environment where we're tapping into what uh, is most motivating for people in terms of the quality of their motivation. So one of the things that we know through the science of motivation is that people have three psychological needs, and I think that the primary role of a leader, in fact, um, I'm, I've just uh, um, submitted a, a, a peer review to a peer-reviewed journal, um, the science behind um, justifying three new leadership competencies that, that really would help leaders to create this environment where if people are... Um, going to be uh, more autonomous, that how do we create that environment for them where they can thrive? So I think that that is a real responsibility that leaders have. It's not to motivate people, but it's to create that environment where their psychological needs can be satisfied. And then I think that environment creates the the uh, conditions where we can deal with disruption and innovation and creativity much more effectively. 
So, uh, see, based on the responses both of you uh, have provided, uh, and 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 uh, Sam, I'll come to you because uh, you mentioned about compliances and and the mandates that come from uh, different organization. It's almost like we are, when we are, when we are setting up uh, an organizational structure, and leader is part of that organization at the very least. What we are looking for is essentially trying to uh, build a box. A very big box, a lot of playroom in it, but it still is a box where we allow these people to have the freedom. It's almost, again, comparing to parenting. I'm not going to say suddenly I'm sitting at home and you go, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the suburbs and you go walk to downtown Chicago, <laughs> 40, 40 miles away. We are saying you will still have a, a limit in the neighborhood where you will go, but then go do what you're doing. I've given you the values. I've given you the principles. If you have to tackle that, if there's a car approaching, you know you have to stand uh, on the on the walkway versus right in the middle of the road. So, so what 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 I'm trying to convey here is you have to give these people a free hand for them to grow versus just being order takers. When if on one hand we say. All right, I will. I will like to grow you, but on the other side, we we try to basically tweak that whole organization in the way we think, and we are not fully qualified in these uncertain times. Then we are essentially introducing more risk. So, Sam, how would you justify saying that? Okay, we have these mandates, so you have to go this way, and then we lose the value that we could have created if we allowed them the free hand, the people who we are leading the free hand? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an interesting question. So um, boundaries are important, um, but the boundaries don't have to be so tight as it used to be before. Mandates are there, but the, the mandates can be fulfilled in many different ways. Innovation is unstructured, right? Once the minute you start structuring innovation, it doesn't become innovation. It becomes very procedural and process-oriented. So what we do in our organization is give people the broad goals, what the institution is trying to achieve, and have them come up with ideas on how do we get to the end goal. There are many ways to skin a cat, and there's not one particular method, because our students are so different, our faculty are so different, the people that we work with are so different. So tapping, tapping into their unique skills and helping them innovate in an unstructured fashion within the boundaries of the organizational structure, which is not as tight as, you, as it used to be before. Um, each, as Susan alluded to, you know, um, we need to tap into the personal aspirations of people. People come here not just to work, but they also have personal aspirations and dreams. And, and the more we can tap into their personal aspirations and help them achieve those along the way as they help us fulfill the mission of the institution and follow these mandates, um, the better off we are and the more they will bring to the table. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we are back, let's talk about is it uh, the, the, the value of collective intelligence versus intelligence of the few? When we are saying we do not know what's coming next or at least how to navigate through the haze, then aren't we better off putting people in the trenches to go in there, make the mistakes, understand what's going on, and then bring back that uh, firsthand experience, if you will, and then put our heads together to find out how will we approach it again versus 
us saying, okay, we have a structured approach. We have a few people in the ivory tower. And they're the ones who are going to make a decision without actually being in the trenches. And that's how you're going to move forward. I'm talking about current times. So what, what, what's wrong with us allowing these people to go give them a free hand, make their own mistakes, don't repeat mistakes, but make new mistakes, and then use that to our advantage as an organization? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. And Susan, this is going to be a question for you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Susan, take it away. Well, I wanted to build on something we were saying before we went to the break and then um, also the question you asked. The boundaries are really, really important, and I think that that is still a leadership role is to help people understand the boundaries because you always have some boundaries or you need boundaries. People cannot operate without boundaries. If we had total autonomy, we would go crazy because we don't have the competence to deal with total autonomy. So we need to have boundaries. I think what we haven't learned yet very well as leaders is how to have conversations about the freedom that people have within those boundaries. Like how do you stimulate the creativity and innovation within the boundaries? What we I think what you're getting at, Sanjo, is that sometimes a top-down, you know, kind of my leadership is in in concrete. I, I've, I've got old ways of doing things, and, you know, I don't really know what's going on right now. Um, it feels too um, restrictive. So I think that the – and I work in a lot of industries like pharmaceutical, for example, where, I'm sorry, those boundaries are very defined boundaries by the FDA and by, you know, um, government agencies. And so what we have to have is – the, is the freedom to talk about what's 
can be, happen within those boundaries. And I think that what that requires is something that I don't hear very often on leadership conversations. You know how you're talking about follow the kids, um, you, know, maybe, you know, maybe it's time that leaders follow their people. The fact is we need to teach people how to be effective self-leaders. The research says that the most successful organizational initiatives are the ones where there are proactive individual contributors, where people have been taught how to be proactive, how to, um, you know, people don't like being held accountable, but they want to be accountable. How do we help people have the mindset and the skill set so that they are effective self-leaders? So I don't think leaders can begin to let go and follow their individual contributors until we've taught individual contributors how to be self-leaders. And I do think that there's a lot of really good research around what those skills are and what we need to be teaching self-leaders to be effective and to be proactive. So it's almost like um, holding the seat of a child as the child learns how to ride a bicycle. Exactly. and, And I totally agree with you. So they are there. The, the, the leader is there, but the leader will have to let go of the seed without the child noticing for them to eventually see, yes, I can ride it myself. If you keep holding it till the very end, then this child will always actually know. But, that but, but, but here's the problem with... Um I mean, so, so let me just say yes, and I call, we call that situational leadership, where you give a child high direction at the beginning, and then you uh, start to wean them off the direction, so ultimately, you know, you give them support, and then eventually you let go of both direction and support, and the child's riding the bicycle on their own. That's exactly the, the example. But I think what I've heard you, you know, setting up is, what if a parent doesn't know how to ride a bike? What if a parent doesn't know how to teach the child how to ride the bike? Then what? And that's why I think what we need to be able to do is to teach individual contributors how to say, you know what, this has never been done before, and here's a process for learning. Here's a process for, for, for moving forward or progressing when nobody knows what we're doing. See, okay, so this is interesting you bring it up. So, Sam, go ahead, share your thoughts, please. So, you know, the other aspect of it is that the, uh, the workforce that is coming to us is changing and evolving. It's not the workforce of the past where they take the direction from the leadership. Uh, the workforce now, especially the millennials coming into, into our workforce, are independent thinkers, and they question status quo. They question why things should be done in a, in a certain way. The, uh, there's a nonprofit organization called Growing Leaders. They, they just did a survey, and the survey concluded that 70% of millennials say that they learn more from information, more information from technology than they do from people. So, you know, uh, people uh, are looking out in the technology arena, and technology has given new dimensions of doing things so they no longer think that what their leader says is the right is the only way to do things so we allow them to explore the bound within the boundaries we allow them to explore the different ways they can do things and bring that all to the table we take their 
input and then make decisions on how things need to be done. Of course, you can't run a chaotic organization where everybody is doing their own thing, right? At, at the end of the day, you've got to bring everything together. But exactly. the, the decision we want to, the, the direction we want to move to should be a result of the consensus that, that is built from all these varying and opposing views and the ways to do things. So I want to take an example, and this comes from my own personal life. Uh, I was, I think, 16 years old, and there was a situation which was a new age situation, which my dad had never encountered. So when I had to tackle it, I went to him, and his response was, every time you come to me with a new situation, you're making me more experienced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) When would you go out and make your own mistakes? So if we are talking about, like, for example, a situation that comes up in an organization where a new technology or new paradigm or a new set of compliances that have to be tackled, and people, of course, look up to a leader, and that is more than, if nothing else, it is a natural gut reaction to say, let me see if there's a convenient way to help have it solved by someone who I think knows more than me. So they'll come to you, and you don't know more than them. So what if you went to them, like my dad told me, that when will you try start making your own mistakes? And it's not to be said that you're hands off, but you're essentially allowing them to go into the uncomfortable zone for them to flourish, to blossom, and allow them to almost kind of develop a new muscle, which will allow you to tackle new situations every time yourself without coming to the leader. Isn't that what a leader is supposed to do in the first place? Sam? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I always say, empower your employees and get out of their way. You know, um, many times we stand as impediments in the way of our employees innovating and being pro- routinely proactive. And of course, you know, as you mentioned, they're going to make mistakes. And that is a part of the growing process. And we can learn more from mistakes than we can learn from successes. So equip them, give them what they need to, to be successful and see them blossom and contribute to the organization. And I've seen this Time and again, when you listen to your employees, and because they are close to the ground, they're close to the customers, and we give them the tools that they need and just say, go on and do your thing. And if, if you need help, I'm here to help you. My door is open. But if, if you don't reach out to me, I, I expect that this is going to be done and keep me informed. Uh, it's, it's more of a hands-off leadership than saying, okay, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to be not worried about this initiative. You still have to keep track of what is happening, but you empower them, you, you equip them, you enable them to, to move forward and watch the results. So, Susan, if someone, like based on what uh, Sam just said, that you cannot just be hands-off and not worry about it. Let's, let's take that point a little bit. If you start worrying, means you're going to start poking. And you'll start investigating. You'll start becoming nosy. When you are worried, that means there is an implied distrust in the people who you have delegated this responsibility to go tackle. Even though it's very new, even though you don't know what it is like, you don't know more than them, 
then why worry? It is all about the mindset, right? So that's where I'm saying that if why not leaders become worryless by placing trust in their people? So is there an inherent distrust in all leaders that, okay, I have to be nosy, I have to at least be made aware of what's going on for it to be successful? Um, hmm. Here's the thing. We know that people go through, and this is very well documented, people go through learning curves, right? There's a, a, there's a process to learning. And so when people first tackle something, they may have high commitment. They're excited about doing it. They're, they're confident that they can do it. Um, they, um, they want to do it, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't have competence because they've never done it before, right? And so we want to, we, as leaders, we want to um, take advantage of that, that confidence and that, that high energy, but we also need to direct it because if we don't direct it, then organizations can't afford with, with I, I, there's one thing about being agile. It's another to have uh, timelines and to minimize risk and to uh, be able to meet deadlines and to, you know, it, because what I do affects something down the road. You can't just give people you know, whatever time is necessary to, to go through that learning curve, there needs to be some kind of um, uh, help along the way. And so then the next stage of learning is where um, I'm now discouraged because I, you know, my confidence was, was great, but because I don't have competence, I don't know what I'm doing, I, I get discouraged. I get a little disillusioned. And so the leader's role at this point is to say, you know what, you know, here, here's the end game. Here's, re- remind you of what the rationale is for why you're doing what you're doing. And so the leader's role in that point is to, to help me continue to keep going. And then once I kind of get into it and I'm starting to, to succeed, then the leader's role is to back off and, you know, to let me go. I don't think we just empower people. I guess what I'm saying is you can't just empower people. What you have to do is, is understand what people are going through at any particular time. And as a leader, you have to help um, either direct them, um, and, and maybe direction. If you don't know what you're doing, and they, you don't, they, they don't know what they're doing, maybe direction looks like making sure they have resources. Maybe direction looks like um, uh, um, pointing them in a direction within the organization so that they can get the collective wisdom or, or, or you know, gather information from other people. So, again, I, I don't ever think that we just empower people. What I think is that we uh, move towards this place where we can let people go. But you don't just throw someone into a lake and never having taught them how to swim and hope they don't drown. Today, our assets are too valuable, timelines are too short, and the risks are too high. I think that we still need a role to, um, to help people become empowered. You can't just empower them. Let's take a quick break, listeners, and we'll be right back. And Sam, I'll build upon what Susan just said, that we need a role. Someone who is there. So would I call a leader as a vending machine that when someone needs something out of it, (laughs) you press a button and you get that information from them and then besides that, that play a passive role. Are we better off keeping that approach to leadership in this new age? Let's not, let's kind of literally wipe out the, 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 the whiteboard and write 
brand new leadership definition for the times we are living in where leader is there the role is there there's a moral or a emotional support available for the people or like as children that they, they, the person exists in case we need it in case we need resource we can go get money from the dad buy a car but besides that let's 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 go find our own path to to make ourselves successful and in the process make the organizational successful is that which is that the direction we should pursue please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back and explore sam this is yours from the boardroom to you voice america business network your growing business needs a highly productive workforce effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with blackberry enterprise mobility management solutions to learn more please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Well, we started with the laissez-faire leadership style, but guess we are building a new one, which is uh, the vending machine leader. So, Sam, uh, based on what we just discussed, I don't see that to be a bad idea where a, a leader, like a vending machine operator or a vending machine themselves, carry a set of resources. It could be the ability to talk to the people who come and press a button, to be able to offer them resources, to be able to remove stumbling blocks, so, so we could be that, and then in that process of them learning how to make the right choices, our people will grow, they will solve their problems, and life will be good for all parties. Do you think that's right. such a bad idea? No, it's not a bad idea. So, you know, going back to your, you know, kids example, right? Uh, if you have two or three kids, every every one of them is going to be completely different. There's no kid, uh, you can ask any parent and they will say, my kids are polar opposite from each other. Each one of them need different kinds of motivation, different kinds of resources and different ways to, uh, they do different things, they eat different things. So employees are the same way, right? 
Every employee is different. Their motivations are different. Their productivity levels are different. The way they report back to you are, are different. So while you give the broad freedom to all the employees, empower them, give them the tools, there's different um, accountability measures you need to put on different employees based on the style that they operate. There are some employees who you just don't hear from them, but you only hear all the results they're producing. You, you see the visual results that they're producing. There are other employees who are working, work in the background. You have to probe them and say, how is it going? You know, uh, what can I do to help? And, and some other employees, you have to be very uh, prescriptive about uh, the steps that they need to follow. So we just need to adjust our leadership styles to motivate and bring the best out of employees um, in, in their individual, individual style of working. So, Susan, aren't yeah. we at all points looking as at a leader uh, and, and maybe define a successful leader is not someone who just delivers the results, but also develops other leaders in the process. So if our focus becomes just results, then we might trample on people's heads and do other bad things. But if we focus on building other leaders in the process, the outcome, the result that we were even pursuing is likely to get better and plus you would have developed other better workers and leaders in the organization. So well, where do I we say lose that, the... Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I, was, I, just, I want to jump in because I love what you just said. Um, I think that, that that is one of the key roles of a leader is to develop their people. And by develop their people, what, I'm, what I mean by that is that, that every individual is at a different stage of learning and producing on, a, on whatever projects they're working on. So um, I might, like Sanjo, if, if I'm your manager and uh, you're leading a, the, the radio show this morning, um, I, I don't have to give you a lot of direction because you've obviously demonstrated that you can do this and you're really good at it. But as soon as we give you another task that might be, you know, um, you know, writing a book or something like that that you've never done before, then I'm going to have to step in and be more directive and, and guide you through that process potentially or help you get a resource so that you can do that effectively. So, so as leaders, we need to change our leadership style depending on the development level of the person and, the, and on the particular task or goal that they're working on. We also have to be attentive to their learning style and their personality type, as Sam was talking about. Some people um, not only are at different development levels, but they have different personalities. Some are introverted and extroverted, and some people, you know, learn with, you know, give me the general idea first and then give me the, the details. Some people go, give me the details and then give me the big picture. So I think that the problem we've had with leadership is that it is complicated and it's deep and it's a practice. And what I get so frustrated with is that we think that, you know, we've got to send doctors through all these years of school and training to be a doctor or if you're an attorney or if you're a, an accountant, a CPA. And leadership is one of the most vital roles and I don't think we do as good a job as we need to in training our leaders and if we don't tr develop our leaders, then how are our leaders developing our people? <laughs> so um, I just think that development is a huge, huge issue and um, I would say, yes, um, that's the role that leaders have. And if leaders don't understand the process that is required for people to learn how to do what we need them to do, then they can't be a good leader. They, they need to understand that. 
So, Sam, my question to you is, is there an, an, an inside ego that leaders have to carry at all times that, hey, if no one wants me, that means I cease to be a leader? In fact, I can share an example. I was talking to a very large company CIO, and I said, hey, are you available now? And he says, yes. And I looked at the time. It was 3.45 in the afternoon. And that's, I'm assuming, a very busy time for any leader in an organization. So he picks up the phone, says, hi, how are you doing? And I said, how could you be available at this hour? He says that if I am busy, that means I'm not doing my job. And I started <laughs> thinking about it. And I said, how do you, why do you say that? He says, I worked very hard in my, you know, whatever time I spent in making sure that the people not only develop a mind of their own, but also become resourceful. Because if they have to keep coming to the leader, that means they have not yet developed that resourcefulness. So if I have someone who develops the brains to go and make their own mistakes and have the courage to make their own mistakes and the brains to go navigate through the haze and finally also have the resourcefulness. So that if I want an answer, I'm not going to bug my leader all the time. I'm going to find my own answers. Have I not done justice to that very ecosystem where I have developed other leaders in that process? So is today le today's leadership actually working? So this person who I'm talking about is an exception because I see many leaders say, if I'm not wanted, that means uh, there's something wrong. But in a way, it is a good thing, isn't it? Right, I agree. Uh, confident and secure leaders are, are not doing busy work that their team need to be doing. Uh, not busy work, I mean hands-on work. And confident and secure leaders empower and en enable their teams, and they're hands-off and they're looking at the progress, they're looking at the big picture, they're strategizing what the next steps are for the organizations, being proactive thinkers, thinkers about what's coming in the future, rather than being involved in the minutia of the operations. If you get involved as a leader in the minutia of the operations, then you're always going to be busy. You're always going to be checking on things and being worried about things. So a confident and secure leader, I think, has times where they can say, yes, I'm available. And uh, that's kind of the leadership style that, uh, that I employ. Uh, if I'm busy every minute of the day, then I'm really not doing my job. And I should be spending time on uh, looking at researching the emerging technologies and uh, how it impacts student learning and how uh, we can help our faculty members, you know, those kinds of things. Let me use an example, right? Uh, in the olden days, when somebody went to a doctor, uh, the doctor said, this is what you need to do and this is, this is the medicine that needs, you need to take and you take, take it as God's word, uh, what the doctor said. Today, the patient goes to the doctor and says, well, doctor, I read in WebMD that this is what is going on with me, uh, or I, the, the TV commercial said, the, if you have these symptoms, you need to take this medication, and the doctor needs to be well informed about all that is available on the web to advise the patient um, appropriately, rather than saying, well, you, you either go to the web and get your own medication, or you come to me. You can't do that, right? So you have to work with the patient, and, and uh, you their information and help them make an informed decision about their own health. As leaders, we have been informed of all the everything that's available on the web that our employees are, exp are, are exposed to and that will bring them to you and help our employees do make informed decisions and, and lead them in a, in, a, in a fashion that will benefit the organization. 
And, and Sam, I guess I would build on that and just say that there, there are some people, depending on the nature of the work they're doing, that need more of your time. And as they develop, as they, as they master it, then they need less of mm-hmm. your time. The, the worst waste of your time is micromanaging people who don't need it. But a lot of times, we, there's people who do need your, um, I wouldn't call it micromanaging because that's a negative term, but that, that people need your, you, they need, you know, your specific instruction. They need your specific direction. Um, and then you develop them. So, so it's like if you're teaching that child to write a bike, um, you, you, and, or, or even to walk, you know, look both ways, you know, you, you have the training wheels. It's, it's very involved. And then there's a day where you say, go out and ride your bike. And so I think we need to teach leaders how to understand when it's time for them to be involved with somebody and when they can back off. Um, and that is then being efficient. So, Sanjo, for the person that you were talking about, sounds to me that he had a, you know, a team of people that he had developed to a very high degree so that they were out doing what they could do and he could spend his time developing more people or doing what Sam was talking about, looking at the bigger picture, you know, being the visionary, being the transformational leader. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's also look at the dark side of the laissez-faire leadership style. I know we did not totally buy into it, but then we did see that there's some value in being hands-off and allowing them to do their own things. So the question there is, if we do allow that freedom, where people are working or we're expecting them to work with each other and uh, maybe morphing their role on their own so that they feel they're doing the most for the organization. Could that go get out of hand? Could you allow that room in some way where they are allowed to switch their hats as needed to get the work done, to be able to become like a swarm of ants which changes <laughs> its shapes in order to get to where they want to, to navigate through the, uh, to, through the different terrains. So could you create that? And if you had to, what are the challenges that you think you're going to face and how are you going to tackle them? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. 
Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So we can learn from nature that a swarm of ants go in a given direction, all of them changing their position, their pace, so that they're always together, but they get to their destination. So if, if that could be utilized as a, a proof of laissez-faire leadership working, and if we wanted to make that work, frankly, you will get all the kudos as a leader. But in order to make that happen, how would you prevent the workers from losing their path, losing their and, and, and understanding of their role and what they're doing at a given time? So, Susan, what do you think if this natural phenomena could be brought into an organization? What I have to tell you, I, I'm, this is ant season in California right now, and I am <laughs> battling swarms of ants in my home. I know it sounds awful, but... And I almost hate to do it because I do have a, an admiration, you know. I'm like watching them going, how did they find that um, one little piece of, of, of candy? You know, how did they do that? Um, and so there is, you know, there is something about this whole concept of uh, the collective wisdom, the, uh, the, the wisdom of the crowd. Um, uh, and in, in the West, we, we don't really, um, I don't think we appreciate the collective you know we're an individualistic society we don't really appreciate the collective and i so i'm struggling i'll be honest with you sanjo i'm i'm struggling because um what you're talking about with ants is something that is in their nature it's something that um that that they don't even think about they just do and and it is in our nature to um, belong, to want to be connected. In fact, one of those three psychological needs that I spoke of that, you know, there's one thing we all have in common. Um, I don't care what your your generation, your your gender, your culture is. We all have these three psychological needs in common for autonomy, relatedness, and competence. Those are the three psychological needs that w- without them we can't, thrive we're not productive and so that whole concept of relatedness which means that we want to belong um, says that it is in our nature to have this kind of collective um, connection but that collective connection also needs a direction Um, and I think that the job of a transformational leader is to help give people that direction and and build a rationale for it and tap into a meaningful, purposeful, um, noble reason to be going forward together. And then once you're transformational and you've got people kind of moving in this direction, you're going to have the individual needs. And I think this is where we depart from ants. As, as human beings with free will, then we also need to have a leader who can be more transactional, who can say, what's the direction you need right now? What's the support you need right now? So I see the role of the leader as being more important now than ever. And so for me, the laissez-faire concept um, 
doesn't work. But I do feel like what you're saying is how can we tap into uh, this idea of getting people all moving together, but by choice, by by. They're doing it because they've chosen to do it. And that's where transformational leadership comes in. It's like we're going, get, saying, here's the noble purpose. You have a choice to follow or move in that direction or not. And then as a leader, let me give you the skills, the resources, the direction you need so that you can, can do that. So that's, that's kind of my thought. So, Sam, if you were to look at the things which we could do, maybe you don't want to label it as laissez-faire because it has a negative connotation and we carry that strong opinion about this style. Could there be a hybrid where you do develop that swarm of ants, you give them the direction through the vision and then leave them alone? Absolutely. So um, the opposite to laissez-faire is helicopter boss, right? So you are hovering over your employees and uh, and constantly checking on the progress they're making in the in the in the projects that you assign to them. So there is a hybrid model, and it's referred to sometimes as called supported autonomy. I don't know if you've heard of this term. Mm-hmm. It was in, uh, and supported autonomy is. Uh, intervening at the right instances and uh, intervening at the right situations for each of your employees and and having them um, giving them feedback on how the project or the initiative is going. For example, there is a technique called 30% feedback rule. I don't know if you've heard of that. So 30% feedback rule says, you know, when you're when you're about 30% done with your project or initiative, then you go and ask your leader and your team for feedback on, on am I going in the right direction? Um, do I need to make any course correction? It's better to do it at the 30% time than doing it at the 90% where you have to completely revamp the process or, or initiative. So the, the hybrid model of being there for your team and uh, expecting certain milestone feedback at certain points of time. And that could vary for different individuals and different teams. And, and that's the way to effectively lead and manage. And can I just say something real quick about what you just said, Sam? That mm-hmm. With using that 30% rule, did you notice that what you uh, focused on was that the, the person doing the work would then go and ask for feedback? And so mm-hmm. that, that really is um, what I was hoping to say about self-leadership, that we can't have that kind of hands-off leadership or even the hybrid unless we have individual contributors who know how to ask for feedback. And um, a really fascinating uh, nine-month research, excuse me, um, three-year research project uh, just finished with, um, they were studying uh, the effectiveness of feedback, and thousands, if not millions of dollars and thousands of hours have been spent teaching leaders how to give good feedback, and the research says that feedback doesn't work, that, that leaders giving people feedback has, fa- has um, failed miserably. One, leaders don't like to do it. Two, leaders aren't good at doing it, and even if they're decent at doing it, people don't hear it because it's not just in time or because it's coming from top down. And the conclusion is that what we really need to be doing is teaching individual contributors how to ask for feedback and how to take initiative and be proactive at asking for that feedback on a regular basis. And so um, I, I just agree that, you know, if we're going to have this hybrid or what I call situational leadership, um, uh, if we're going to have that kind of approach, we also need to teach self-leaders how to take advantage of the leader who has empowered us. 
On behalf mm-hmm. of the show and our listeners, uh, thanks so much, Susan and Sam, for sharing your respective views on uh, laissez-faire. We know it's not uh, the the at least the, the chosen path for many leaders today. Maybe a hybrid is needed where you're able to let go of, of your traditional styles, become more open and be more inclusive in your styles and get the best outcome for your business. So thank you so much again, both. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it, learned a few tips here. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and join us on our LinkedIn community. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 